Welcome everyone to another Generations Live. We are so happy about doing, um, I believe this is session number eight or session number nine. Um, and uh, for those who maybe haven't been a part of a Generations uh, episode before, the goal of this generation uh, is to connect people um, of vast generational age groups um, on an apostolic discussion concerning the times that we live in. And uh, today we're going to be very blessed by two powerful men of God, uh, Brother Terry Schock, um, and then uh, my father, Pastor Jeff Morgan. Um, and uh, in prayer, just felt like that these two men had something to say uh, for the times that we're living in. And uh, we are so glad uh, to have everybody here that's joining us. Again, the vision of this is uh, a vast generational discussion um, concerning the times that we live in. Uh, the Lord gave this to me on a Monday in the middle of this pandemic. And this verse came to mind for the promise is unto you, to all your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Um, it's all about the generations that are here, past, present, and those to come being successful. And uh, we just want to maybe equip you with some tools for what it takes to do that. And uh, we are so excited to have Brother Terry Shock with us uh, as he is coming on and joining us. Uh, thank you for being a part of Generations, Brother Shock. We're glad to have you. It's good to be here. Yes, sir. Um, and uh, everybody, I'm sure, knows who Brother Terry Shock is. Uh, but again, great to have you. And we are excited um, to be talking on the questions that we have here today. And then uh, I call him dad, but a lot of y'all probably know him either. But Brother Jeff Morgan or Pastor Jeff Morgan, it's great <laughs> to have him on here as well. And so uh, tonight, we want to do this. Good to uh, be on the air, Bubba. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you. Uh, tonight, we want to start this with prayer, of course. Uh, more than anything, we want the anointing of the Holy Ghost uh, on this session, and we want people to be ministered to. And, uh, um, Dad, I was going to have you open with prayer. Uh, and as you're opening with prayer, I just want to uh, say to everybody in Texas and Louisiana that was just hit by the hurricane, if you are watching tonight, I couldn't imagine uh, trying to put back together a home or a community, especially in the middle of a pandemic. So uh, we want to pray for you tonight and uh, our sincerest. Um, what well, just we're just here for you. If there's anything we can do, we love you and we're praying for you. Uh, Dad, why don't you start us off with prayer? Father, we love you tonight, and we are so thankful for your mercy. We're so thankful for your goodness, God. You have proven yourself time and time again throughout all ages, to all generations. So here we are, Lord, on this particular day, asking for wisdom, asking for spiritual insight to be gained, to be shared, God, to be achieved. More than that, God, maybe the impartation into a life, into a soul, into a preacher's mind that would help him chart the course, God, a saint that would help them navigate life. I pray your blessings upon this session tonight. 
And as Brother Dillon's already said, we pray for our brothers and sisters along the coast of Louisiana. Lord, the storm that has hit, we pray your blessings and your favor, your help. We rebuke anything that would come against them, God, the rebuilding. We rebuke depression, Lord, that would move against them. We give you glory. We give you praise. We ask for your favor. Upon us for the next few minutes, God, as we share your incredibleness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Brother Shock, we're going to open this up, and I'm going to ask you the very first question. During this pandemic uh, and, and everything that is taking place right now uh, that is happening on social media, media within itself, uh, where do you feel the church stands right now? Well, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity to, to be a part of this. I, I do very much appreciate it. Well, not, uh, I, hate, I hate starting off uh, kind of with a maybe not so positive word. I guess we could start positive because many, many, I believe, are embracing it and, and moving. I feel like some are standing still. I, I think that that has happened. I, I, um, I believe that, that some people are, are stuck waiting for things to get back to normal. Um, I think that's a that's a terrible position for anybody to be in, and I think by being focused on yesterday, um, that we're we're missing what the Spirit is saying right now. And I believe that that some are realizing that whether God calls this or whether He's allowed it, the reality is is that He's allowed our normal to be obliterated uh i don't believe i don't believe anybody i don't believe anybody can you know speak against that and so i believe that he's using it to awaken and and position the church um many have said you know getting the church out of the four walls all that totally agree but i believe that he's positioning us to um to get to get the church operating from our homes through our communities and, and then, you know, and then, then from, from there. And so I, I think some, some churches are, are moving well with it. I've, I've talked to, to many pastors and I'm very encouraged with some. Then when I hear, you know, then when I hear we got to get back to normal, we just got to get back to normal. We just got to get this, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, wow, if we focus on yesterday, we'll miss today and tomorrow. And that's, you know, on, on that, on that part of it, that's, that's what I feel. Yes, sir. Uh, Dad, is there anything you'd like to add on to that? Uh, I, you know, I concur 100%. I think, I think when he said that if we're waiting to go back to the normal, uh, I don't know that that's ever going to be possible. I don't, I don't know that the Lord's going to allow us to go back to normal. Um, a few months ago when this thing started, trying to piece together the next move and what we should do and how we should do it. I felt like the Lord spoke to me personally and said, um, if you let my church, if you let the body that I have given you charge over, go back to normal. He said, I'll personally judge you. So I, I don't know that the church can go back normal. And when I say can, what I'm talking about is 
we as shepherds, when I say that, I'm talking collectively the fivefold ministry, not just pastors, but the collective fivefold ministry, we cannot allow the church to go back to normal. So even yeah. if it tries, even if there's a vaccine tomorrow and this pandemic lifts and disappears in seven days, if we allow God's people to think like they thought prior, let's just say January 2020, I think uh, I think we may be in trouble with God as the fivefold ministry. And I know that you probably open up a can of worms. We don't want to go down, but that is exactly how I feel. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree. I think that uh, what what we what we have, what we're what we're dealing with, is what I refer to as a perspective changing event. And and we can look back in our lives when when that has happened. I guess I guess one of the major ones, as far as a nation, was nine one one. That was a perspective changing event for me. Uh, I never looked at things. Of course, in our own individual sure. lives, you have them. I had a perspective changing event when my father died, then my father-in-law, then you know, three weeks ago, my mother-in-law. And so there's there's things that that uh, that happen individually, but this has been a worldwide perspective changing event, and I just Amen. cannot believe it's separated from the kingdom of God and and what He is. Uh, and and what he is wanting to do and uh yeah i just i agree i agree brother morgan we we can't we absolutely can't and good luck to good luck to anybody who is just focused on getting everything back to yesterday that's that's going to be a tough position to be in you know i think i think that's probably the hardest thing if we truly study the gospels that's probably the hardest thing that Christ had to, to work against was the religious sect wanting to keep the normalcy and him coming in and saying, you, you can't do this. Not, not now. Uh, the mm. kingdom's not coming. The kingdom's here. And I, 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 I am convinced that this is, and I know we've heard this, my God, I've heard it all of my life, but I've never believed it until right now. I believe that this is the greatest hour of the apostolic church. If we don't right. allow ourselves to go back, oh God, help us not to go back. Right. We could spend, I could spend the rest of the afternoon talking about that. But anyway, right. we can't do it. We, we can't go back. There's no place for us back there because um, if we weren't seeing miracle signs and wonders, we have to see miracle signs and wonders. If we're not having people get the whole or converts made or disciples made then we're not doing the will of god and you said something brother shock when you started uh, did god allow or is god going to use i think i think either of them is acceptable to me as long as we we end up where we need to end up and that is in the seedbed of a red hot restoration of a book of acts move of god right agree man I agree, and I think I think that everything that's being said is is definitely directing us into the next question, um, and that is uh, we've addressed that that there is not going to be a normal. Uh, we can't go back to normal, and as a matter of fact, probably most of us, because this year was called it is 2020, we all kicked off this year with themes of 2020 vision, perfect vision, yeah. vision. Yeah. Well. 
I think that this is aligning the vision as for how we are actually supposed to move forward. So that leads me into my next question. Uh, what direction do you feel that we need to be going at this time? What, what, what way does the prophet need to put his hand on the bow of the young man and, and, and launch it? I mean, what's our direction? Well, I mean, I definitely feel that the direction has to be what, what Brother Jeff was just saying as far as, you know, as far as revival and apostolic, um, our direction is kingdom priorities. And Jesus came and was very clear whenever he was preaching, he was preaching repentance. And then, and of course, you, of course you, you take, well, you take the whole Bible, but you take the, you take the gospels, you move in to the book of Acts, then the epistles, and we see the unfolding of the plan of salvation. Which, which include, of course, the, the, you know, the absolute main part is the death, burial, and resurrection. We have that. But there was the unfolding of it that included, you know, grace and faith and confession and repentance and baptism and the Holy Ghost and then even in endurance. But the kingdom priorities, and, and brother, brother Jeff just, just hit on it, the kingdom priorities our, you know, our salvation and, and healing and deliverance and discipleship. Yes. Those, I mean, that's, yes. that's, the that's the kingdom. And so where, where I feel he's trying to, to push us, aim us is in that, hmm. in that. And, and, you know, if, if, if we're giving ourselves to something that isn't directly that or isn't clearly leading to that, then I just, I just think it has to, it has to fall by, fall by the wayside. Wow. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be the dead horse here. And, uh, but when you start talking about the direction of the church, where, where we should go in this particular moment, um, let, let me, let me try to do this as fast as I can. Morgans are not known to be, you know, real short winded here. <laughs> um, when, when at six months in his mother's womb, John was presented to the presence of God. The Bible says he leaped in her womb. He, he recognized even before birth that the Christ, the, the, the Emmanuel, the God with us, though he didn't know exactly what he was at that moment, he recognized it. And so I think there's a lot that the Holy Ghost is trying to show me personally about that event for this day. And that is, we, we've, we've got to be super sensitive uh, to what we're feeling right now, even though we may not understand it, we cannot doubt it. Um, this, this is a, I mean, we heard this unprecedented day, a day unlike, you know, a hundred years ago, we've seen something like this, but for the apostolic church, th this is a day like none other, none of us could have predicted we were going to be here. But when John recognized that Jesus, uh, the uniqueness of his cousin, the next, the next thing we find is John preaching and heralding the coming of Jesus. And John's message 
according to the Old Testament and found in the New Testament. Brother Shock says he preached the already but not yet. Now that that's that's a theological term, but what he what he did was he preached the kingdom is here. And they said, well, tell us what the kingdom is. He said, well, the kingdom is when blinded eyes are open and deaf ears unstopped and the lame walk and the cripple are healed and the dead are raised. And they said, well, where, where is this happening at? And he said, well, it's, it's not yet. And they said, man, are you, are you, are you crazy? If you lost your mind, you, you keep saying something's here, but we've not seen it for years, for years, we have preached in our local churches and every conference I've ever been to. Uh, the kingdom's coming, the kingdom's coming, it's coming, miracle signs and wonders. And so back to John, John made a ministry, John made a calling, John made a living preaching about the kingdom coming. And then all of a sudden he looks up and coming down the banks of Jordan was his cousin. And he recognized him and he said, come on down, I want to baptize. And Jesus said, no, you, you got to baptize me. And so John baptizes Jesus. And the Bible says that immediately the spirit settled upon Jesus and a voice spoke and said, I'm pleased in you, not on you, but in you. And from there, the Bible says, Jesus was led up the mountain and there he entertained angels and came back full of the power of the spirit. The very same verse says, John went to prison. So let me, let me try to see if I can make this make sense. So at that point, particular moment Jesus begins his earthly ministry and John goes to prison Jesus gets to set with angels John is condemned and put into prison and so I've always thought it unfair that John was never visited by Jesus I thought it was unfair that he laid the groundwork and did all that he did and seemed like Jesus forsook him but the truth of the matter is that's all John was for John was the herald. John was the forerunner. John told the world, it's to come. It's going to happen. I think that we as apostolics, me as an apostolic, I don't want to get really shock and trouble here. Me as an apostolic, we have become drunk and intoxicated up on predicting a futuristic event that is ready to happen right now and should be happening right now. But it cannot happen right now as long as John's alive. That's good. So Jesus knew if he was going to fulfill his ministry and move into the dimension of miracle signs and wonders, the voice that said, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it had to die. It had to be dispelled, displaced, put away, imprisoned. Mm. And that's why when John went to prison, Jesus never looked back nor sent anybody to check on him because he said, you are the very thing that has stopped or will stop the church. And I say that with quotes, receiving blinded eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, the lame walking, the dead being wow, raised. That's good. Because when John was in prison and asked, are you he or do we look for another? Jesus said later. Somebody go tell old John, the dead are raised, the blind see, the lame walk, and the crippled are healed. Mm. I'm doing what he preached, but as long as our flesh, as long as our carnality, 
as long as we're comfortable preaching about a kingdom that we say we believe wow. in, but are more program oriented or are more, um, well, I, I need to hit the pause button here, but th there's something happening here. And I hope that we are spiritual enough to recognize that God is at work. Are we doing our part by putting our John to prison and getting Amen. our John ministry out of the way? I, I hope that makes sense because I, I, I feel that so strong that there's something miraculous at work right now. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's, wow. that's very that's very good because the spirit is is seeking very strongly to get us aligned with with what matters, with exactly what matters. Wow. And yes. not, not a shotgun. Not a shotgun event-driven approach, but a 30-30. I mean, we've we've just got to cut away some of the some of the distraction. But when you speak about how the John voice has to die or has, you know, has to move aside for the for the the Jesus voice, um, it's so it's so very true. Wow. So very true. That is so good. And, and I think it, it perfectly helps us transition into this next question because uh, the death of that voice, the death of what was and, and what is not coming, but what is here is, is what we've got to realize in trying to be effective in this season of ministry. So with that, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this and whoever wants to take it and run first can go ahead. How are we going to be most effective right now to the young man that's listening, that's 23, uh, to the missionary that can't get to his field, to the evangelist that hasn't had a place to preach? How are we going to be effective right now? I'll, I'll let you start that, Brother Jeff, and then I'll jump in. Okay. Um I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to John. John was was the cousin of Jesus. John represented uh, the fleshly connecting to this present world, as far as Jesus was concerned. Of course, we know he had Mary. He had his stepfather Joseph. Um, probably had some half brothers and sisters. But in the context of what what I presented here, John represented his fleshly connection to this present world. If there is a young preacher that's listening, if there's a young evangelist that's trying to start or has lost all of his bookings and revivals, you should not rely on anything that is of the flesh to provide or to present you to the place of the miraculous because John couldn't do it. It is, it is, it's biblical. I could take you and, and, and read your verses. John couldn't do it. John became a barrier to Jesus because as long as John was present, they could always look at John and say, we kind of like your message better because it doesn't require much of us other than a quick baptism of repentance, but wow. a quick baptism of repentance was not the ultimate nor the complete. So um, great question. I, I would, I would commend you on the question or whoever asked it, do not rely on what John can do at this hour. At this hour, we've got to go and realize we have been equipped 
divinely purposed, divinely called. We are not weak. We're not in trouble. Um, we're not anemic. We're not lacking anything. All we need is a trip up that mountain and let angels minister to us and come back full of the power of the Holy Ghost because then Jesus began his earthly ministries and then everything that John preached that Jesus would do when the kingdom would come, Jesus began to do it. So mm. to the young evangelist, to the pastor that's struggling, um, to the good men that just lost churches uh, along the Gulf state, our hope and our resource is not in this present world. Mm. Man, if God can't do it, we're all in trouble. I hope that answered at least laid the foundation for Brother Shock to answer that question. No, I, I definitely agree. I believe that it's a time uh, when everything has changed the way it has. We, it's one thing to say we trust God. It's another thing to trust God. Uh, I, can, I can tell you that being in the type of ministry that I'm in right now, um, we, we have literally been sustained by God telling people to send us offerings. Wow. Literally. I've had over, I've had over, I've had 30 something cancellations. And, uh, but, but at the same, but at the same time, God's economy is not tied to this world's economy. It's Amen. not tied to it. And so, and so what we, what we have to do during this time is we have to dig deeper. We have to dig deeper. I remember whenever I was 16, um, I was called to preach and my dad, uh, my dad told me this. I've, I've never, never forgotten it. He, he told me, he said, he said, Terry, uh, if you'll deepen, God will broaden. If you'll deepen, God will broaden. I've said that many, mm. I've, quoted my dad many many times through uh, through the the years from that time we we talk about stewardship but we forget that god is the ultimate steward god will get wow. his resources where he wants them there's 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 not going to be any, any stopping so it's about it's about us in all this change it's about us us being positioned um, for what he is doing. Well, what is he doing? He's wanting people to share him. That's mm. what he's doing. And so we must share him any way we possibly can, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's, whether it's zoom, we, we must, we must share Jesus. You say, well, that, that's real. That's real broad. Okay. Well, let's be a little more specific. If, if you, minister whether you're getting paid or not wow yes minister. um uh, help help and help a local church any way you can uh, idleness idleness is on the, the list you know when when you think about uh when you think about sodom and gomorrah being wiped out um we all think of the sexual sins that cause that but in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 16, 49, it lists why, why Sodom and Gomorrah was wiped out. And one of the things it clearly lists is idleness. Wow. Clearly. It's, it's not just that they were a bunch Amen. of, it wasn't, they were just a bunch of perverts. It's, it has it listed. Yeah. 
on what? And so idleness is, is one of those things. So it's not about, are we getting paid? It's not about now at the same time, in, if you're an evangelist in the United States and there's something you can do to make money uh, with your hands, like Paul did making tents, then in between times, do it, do Very well. whatever you can do. That's, that, that's not degrading. It's no telling who you'll get connected to even when you're doing that. So my point is, don't be idle. Look for ways to, to minister. If, um, you know, I've often said that Apostle Paul preferred a ship, but he was happy for a plank. And so wow. these days, in these yeah. days that we're in, hey, <laughs> it may wow. just be a plank, but, but grab on and hang on. And just stay focused, be a giver any possible way that you can. God is the ultimate steward. I could I could burn up a lot of time talking about what God That's has done stuff. in the last, you know, and, and I started Amen. 2018, January the first, 2018. I started a list on my phone, miracles and blessings. And every time somebody's given me a word, every time there's been something that I have needed that has come, every time somebody has blessed us financially, every time I immediately, I go to, I go to the phone, put the date down and I write it down. And I'm telling you, when I thumb back through the, since, since 2000, that's when I started, God, God was taking care of me long before that. But wow. God is the ultimate steward. He's the ultimate steward. His economy will not be tied Amen. To, to what, to what we, we look like. And we have just got, uh, we cannot be idle. Prayer, pray, pray, pray. Dig in the word, sharpen. Uh, brother Jeff, I was uh, heard your brother the other day, Mark, talking about sharpening, sharpening, sharpening. And his word was he sure hopes yeah. that people during this time is not just wasting their time and going to come out of this doll that that, mm. we, that we would be sharp. So I think in this time, um, Dylan, I think in this time, those are the things we need to be doing. Amen. I we, couldn't we agree more. To, we have to. We have to. And, and what scares me is this, this mindset. You know, when this thing first started, um, a lot of our church folk, man, we can't wait till we get back to church. Oh, we just get back to church. Oh, we're going to have such a great time. Well, we get back to church and there's a spirit of fear and there's a heaviness and there's a depression. And now we're, we, we don't even know. I'm saying this generally how to have church anymore uh, because we have caved into this present world's feeling. And that, that bothers me. It, 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 it concerns me that we are, I made a little quote and it got me in trouble. So I'll say it here and get in more trouble. We have people that are more afraid of COVID than we are hell. Um, COVID's not our problem. Eternity without yeah. God or not doing the will of God is our problem. I, I When Brother Shock was talking a while ago, by the way, I gave that to my brother, Mark. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad he was able to use that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have to take advantage every time I can. There's, there's a passage in the Old Testament. I, I could look at it real quick and find it. But um, 
I think, I think when God's church gets ready to cross into something supernatural or something divine, I think there's always a moment of hesitation and a moment of choice where he allows those among us to choose whether they're going to pursue and cross or pause and die. And I'll make that plain. When, when they all got ready to cross over uh, five times in this one chapter, you hear the two and a half tribes that didn't cross over say, this is a land that is good for cows. Five times. They said, this land is good for cows. Joshua asked them, why, why are you so adamant about staying here? And they said, well, we have cows. And this is a good land for cows. And so if you go back, that's why they negotiated the two and a half tribes staying on the other side. And they agreed that when it's time to fight, we'll cross over. And if you ever have problems, we'll cross over. But the truth of the matter is they thought more in their ability. It goes back to Brother Shock. Um, they thought more in their ability to provide for themselves or outthink God's wisdom or God being the chief steward of our ministries, of our lives. Because it's not but just five chapters. Don't hold me to that. exactly. It's not but four to eight chapters later that there's one verse that God and Joshua are talking. And the Lord speaks to Joshua. And he says, you see that valley right there? He said, that's the land for cows. But there were no cows in it. Because all the cows stayed on the other side. Because two and a half tribes couldn't trust that God was so wise and so incredible and so full of wisdom that he could lead the church or lead 12 tribes where he wanted them to go. And if our cows need a place to eat, God's got a place. Later in the New Testament, and I hope I'm not taking too much time, but later in the New Testament, this is the place where Jesus steps out. It's called the Gadareans and the demoniac. Two of them ran to him. And the people of God that lived there who were Jew, the two and a half tribes, were raising hogs, which was a direct violation of the law. So what, what, what concerns me, and I go back to one of my opening comments, I cannot let the people that I preach to, the places I preach, or the people I lead, think that this is a normal thing or will ever go back to normal. We have to cross over now. And possess Amen. what God's got for us now. Because, because if we don't, there's going to come a day when Jesus shows back up and the place he visits won't be a place for cows. It will be desolate. It will be a place for hogs and a breeding ground for demons. That doesn't sound like an apostolic ministry, an apostolic church to me. But if we're not careful, wanting to go back to normal is going to lead us to producing dens of devils. Mm. Very good. Wow, that's so good, and and I, you know, it, it answers the question perfectly on how we're supposed to be effective right now. The simple answer is, is we've got to keep moving forward. We've got to pray, we've got to fast, and we can't try to slide back into the old routine. Um, and and that's and that's all that there really is to it. It's just we've got to keep our ears to this, what the spirit is saying, we got to keep our hands to where it's moving and just keep following the leading of the Holy Ghost. We can't try to go back. The end of Exodus, it talks about how 
they they waited on the glory to move. If the glory cloud lifted, they moved with it. Well, the glory cloud is moving and we've got yes, to move with the glory. And I feel like that's where we're at right now. The glory is moving forward, so let's move with it. And uh, with that, this is going to bring us into this next segment here of, of viewer questions. And um, with a shock, I'm going to ask, ask this question to you uh, first. And then, Dad, if you want to join in with it later, um, how, how do you serve as the assistant or as the second man successfully? Well, now that's quite a question. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Shock, why don't you go ahead and take this one? <laughs> do we have, well, what do we have? We have three hours, four hours? As long as you want to take. <laughs> no, um, I was, I was very blessed. Uh, my, my, the men that God allowed me to serve uh, whenever I, whenever I think of, of the men. I literally was, was on a team uh, I was on a ministry team from the time I, I, I led my first youth group in a home missions uh, church when I was 18. And um, from literally age 18 to 55, I was on a team and, and working under, you know, under men, uh, men of God, great men of God. I'm, I'm very blessed to have worked uh, under the men and with the men that, that, that I have that I was now personal God connection daily through prayer and the word. Um, you gotta have that. You just, you've got to have that. If, if you're not, if you're not connected to God daily through prayer and the word, you know, you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're just, you're setting yourself up for disaster. I mean, I could go a long way on that, but there's not time for that, but You've got to see yourself as an extension of the senior pastor. Wow. You're, you're an extension. What's that? So you're an extension of his purpose or her, if she's, if she's a senior, if, if the senior pastor is a woman, their, their purpose, their focus, their direction, their messages. Now, now this is, this is extremely important because here's, here's what I feel like now. I wish I would have, realized this years and years uh, ago, but now I'm finally getting a lot of revelation. And here it is. Um, if, if you are asked to preach, why don't you ask the pastor, is there anything you need me to preach on? Is there anything that you feel that the spirit yeah. is saying to the church and they may say, no, just whatever you feel. Okay, even when you're going with whatever you feel the Spirit is saying, the Spirit is not going to be saying something that's not in the flow of what the Holy Ghost is saying to the church. That's the reason why you have to be so focused on listening to what the Spirit is saying. The, the church may have multiple messengers but must have one message. And so you're, you're focused to stay in the flow of what is the Spirit saying to that church. Also, you need to teach Bible studies, teach Bible studies, teach Bible studies, teach Bible studies. Amen. I don't Amen. know 
if I made it clear about you need to teach Bible studies. Amen. Not make the mistake that I made. I was, I, I, I allowed myself to get so focused on administration and there's absolutely no excuse for me not aligning my schedule to where I could consistently at least keep one Bible study going. One of, wow. the, one of the biggest mistakes I made, because I can tell you that, that um, people that are consistently teaching Bible studies, there's, there's, a, there's just a difference about them. There's, there's a difference about them because they know what questions are being asked. They're tuned in to what's going wow. on in people's lives. And, and they're, they're consistently digging in the word of God in a manner to help a new person. And so that, that is huge. You cannot be lazy. You just cannot be lazy. Uh, lazy, lazy people, lazy people. I just, I have a hard time with lazy people. Lazy people are, are fingernails on a chalkboard to me. Amen. <laughs> and, and there's, there's no, there's no place for that. You've got to be an equipper of people. If you know it, you owe it. Uh, you're, you're, you're looking to add value to all of the other team members if you're the second man, that that's absolutely critical. It can't be just about, okay, does everybody know I'm number two around here? No, it's, it's not that it's, you're adding, you're adding value to people. This is, this is extremely important. You're confidential, but there are no secrets from the pastor. You're confidential, but there's no secrets. There you go. From the pastor. So, That's good. so everybody needs to know if you're the second man, everybody needs to know, listen, what, what confidential means to you, it might not mean the very same thing to me. I made this very clear that I am confidential, but, but I will not keep secrets. You cannot hold information that, that people that it could affect their lives, it could affect their families, it could affect their children, and and you are going to, you know, there's going to be an absolute train wreck, and Amen. And, and you're going to go to somebody and say, well, you know, at least, at least, you know, you could trust me. Then what's going to happen is when it blows sky high, and then the senior pastor finds out that you had information that could have been used much earlier, but you held it. That's that's not that's not going to be to be good at all. Uh, just just a couple of more that I feel is very important. You got to understand that second place is not second rate. You have to understand the body of Christ. That's good. And that's and good. where and where you fit and know your place. You've got to have clear communication from the senior leader of what is expected of you. You, you've got you've got to know that uh, you, you say well um, they're not much of a communicator well if you have to send smoke signals or if you have to write notes and put it under the the office door if you have to write 
this is what I think you expect of me, but I'm not sure. Can you read over this? Uh, whatever you have to do, you have to be clear on what, where are your boundaries? And, and when you know where your boundaries are, you do not cross them. You, you don't cross them. I was, I, um, I was a second man for many years at, at the Pentecostals of Alexandria, worked with, with Pastor Anthony Mangan, a great man of God. We, we had a, a great relationship. We worked very well together and we stay connected today. We, we, were, we were texting today. But even though I had been there that many years, I knew where the line was that I had better not cross. I also knew that there were issues with people that only he could handle, that only he could handle. And, and so you have to know where those lines are. You also have to be a self-starter. The senior pastor does not need to be your artist or your arsonist. He does not, they do not need to have to draw you a picture with everything or build a fire under your rear end to get you moving. It's, it's being a self starter right. to where you, you are, are moving. I'm almost through with, with this part. Now you, you are going to have ideas that are good ideas, but they might not be now ideas. So you need two files. You need a now file and a later file. If you have a hard time remembering that, then go to the store and buy that candy now or later. <laughs> put it and put it on your desk or, or eat some of that every week. There's things that God is speaking into your spirit that, that may need to be in the incubator for a long time. Uh, just because it's coming and it's a word from God, there's God's word and there's God's timing. And so make sure what you're doing, you're flowing with that, that senior pastor. And the last thing, you need to develop a flushing. And so make sure what you're doing, you're flowing. A flushing sound in your mind. A flushing sound in your mind. Because there are going to be things that are going to be said to you that you immediately need to flush out. Amen. Things like, when are you going to get your own church? You got to flush. Wow. Things like, I would take this to pastor, but he's too busy. And you're thinking, mm. what well, do you think? Do you what? You think I just got out of bed at noon? Uh, you've you wow. got you got to flush that out. Uh, you'll hear you'll hear things like uh, I wanted to talk to pastor, but you'll do. Wow. You have to, you have to flush that out. You'll hear wow. things like uh, you're a good preacher for your age. You have you have to flush that stuff out. Wow. And, and you have good. to make sure so good. You have to make sure that it gets flushed, not just out of your mind many times things get flushed out of our mind into our spirit and what mm. you've got to make sure is is that you wow. take those things and you get them flushed out not just of your mind but you get them uh, flushed out of your spirit and remember this 
that who knows if God, if, if it's God's will that you become a senior pastor someday, God has a sense of humor and he may just give you a second person just like you were. And so it would be very, very good to be very wow. serious about, about having that second role. And really, um, it's moved a whole lot now to team. And this is for all team members. But if you are a second person, last thought on this. If you have pastor in your title anywhere, if it's, if it's youth pastor, assistant pastor, associate pastor, music pastor, maintenance pastor, kids pastor, whatever. If pastor is in your title, then don't think director. And if pastor is in your title, that means shepherd. And if wow. pastor is in your mm -hmm. title, then you better be willing to take a bullet. And if pastor is in your title, you wow. better be willing to set up with families all night as their, as their loved ones are dying. And you better be willing to climb out of bed at whatever time it takes if pastor is in your title. And there are wow. a lot of people that they want pastor in their title, but then they want to live like a director. Wow. And what we have to do is if we're going to be a second man, we, we got to be in there. I mean, you you got to be in there. You got to be in it, and and you're gonna bleed and you're gonna get hit, and that's wow. part of the battle. And so, Dylan, that's that's my advice in a short uh, little bit on on being a a second man. Wow, I feel a little bit like Bishop Foster right now. Wow, <laughs> that was so good. Um, I, I can't tell you the comments that we're getting of just positive responses and just um, thank you for that. That is beyond great. Um, with that, I want to move into the next question. And I think, um, I think it, it fits here is what is your best advice in times of transition? Um, now, knowing uh both speakers pretty well. One, of course, very well. <laughs> um, I've seen both of you guys go through transition. What is your advice in transition? Dad, do you want to start with that one? Uh, first off, let me say that everything that Gary Shock just said was absolutely incredible. And Amen. It will save a many a man and lady if they will take those nuggets and really apply them to their life. Um, Amen. I, I was privileged to work with a, yeah, I was privileged to work with a great man at a great church and he was not a communicator and it's hard. Let me, let me say it, it's easy to be that lazy person if you're working for a non-communicator. And so after the first year, I, I needed to know, I, I, I needed to know, am I doing things right? So I made it a point that while I was at my pastor's and uh, was on staff with him, that my wife and I would visit with him one time a year, sometimes two times a year. And we would have a conversation and I would say, 
I need you to make sure that I'm doing what you want me to do. Am I doing this? Am I doing that? So that's the only nugget. And it, it's a, such a small footnote to what uh, Brother Shock just said that, you know, yes, sir. probably not worth mentioning. But um, transition is a transition is something apostolic men and ministries have a really hard time with because the only I'm going to get myself in trouble here. The only true place that we recognize uh, like we should is the office of a pastor. So when a pastor transitions to what we would call an evangelist or an elder or a second man, we don't understand transitioning, but yet the scripture is full and it is a gold mine of nuggets of how to transition. Um, Moses transition, Joshua transition, Jesus transition, the disciples transition. So I, I don't, I don't know exactly how to answer this. I'm going to be completely honest. I, I could go way left or way right. So I'll just, I'll try to be very brief and set this way. I take transition very serious. I take growth very serious. When we got ready to leave the place that we thought we would spend the rest of our lives, it took me almost five years to make that decision simply because Transition to me is an important thing. And just because I'm ready doesn't mean God's ready. And so you may know where you're going and you may know what you're going to do. But if you don't know when to do it, the other two become irrelevant. So those, those are some key components there that you need, to, you need to always remember. Timing is everything. Timing is the most important of all of the components. You, you need to know when to do it. It's got to be God's time. Um, transition is something that I do one year at minimum, long about September, October, I look at my life as you, you'll, you'll recognize this son. I look at my life and I start preaching to my church about reflection. I look at myself and I start transitioning into what I want to be in the next coming year. And the way to do that is I have to look back. I have to look back on the past year and see if I kept my commitments, if I kept my word to myself. Did I read more? Did I pray more? Did I commit more? Um, teaching Bible studies, Brother Shock said a while ago, uh, I, I teach a Bible study in my home every week, even right now. We're starting back up the second week of September. So when, when, when I start talking about transition, there's so many missing or moving pieces of that puzzle. Um, I, I, I take September, October, I look back where I've been, I take stock of where I am. And then I start saying, okay, to get to the next level, I have to identify where I'm going, where I'm supposed to go. Okay. So now I know that now comes the hard part. How do I do this? And when you start figuring out the, how it leads you to the most important thing is the wins. So, um, I don't know that I would know how to really define nor answer the role of transition. Um, it, it's a, it's a fluid thing to me, but it, it's, it's a key component to ministry. It's a key component to doing the things of God, the will of God. So I'm going to, I'm going to put a comma there and turn it over to brother shock and let him tell us how to transition. Brother Brian's brother can help us here. <laughs> Brian, I am very, let me just say this, I am very fortunate to be Brian's brother. 
that uh, brother Jeff and I have have a little joke going on about our brothers. Okay. Um, trans transition. Melanie uh, Melanie teaches a lesson on on transition, and she makes a statement that I think is so fitting. She says, "Life is transition from conception to death. Life is transition." And mm. And that, and so we we think many times about positional transitioning, which is very important. But life is one big transition. We we were just around the bedside of my mother-in-law about three weeks ago when she transitioned from here to to glory. Um, when when we think when we think about transitioning, I know that it's so easy for us to say, uh, you know, well, what does the Spirit say and what does the Spirit say? The truth of the matter is we had better position our life to know what the Spirit is saying. Um, I, there, was there, one, there was one man that asked me uh, about, he was, he was making a major decision in his life, and, and, and he had heard me say that I've never made that I've never made a major, major move in, in my life without at least a seven-day fast. That was, that was, that has just been my um, one of the things that I will do before I will make a major, major decision. Uh, at least, and he asked me. He said, "How long do you think I should fast?" I said, "The size of the uh, decision that you're making." I said, you probably need to fast until the room is spinning and you're laying on your back to make sure that your flesh is totally dead and what you're hearing is, is the voice of God. We have to do that. There you go. We have to do that. God will speak. I was a church janitor in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And I was given the, uh, the invitation to be an assistant pastor. Well, who would have to pray about that? I mean, who, who has to pray when you're a janitor? When, yeah. when you're mopping and cleaning commodes and you're offered a position to be an assistant pastor? Well, thank God I did pray and, and the Spirit said, keep mopping. And whenever I told the individual that asked me to be his assistant pastor, when I told him that, he was very derogatory to me. It was absolutely horrible. Well, 30 days later, when it blew that he had been having an affair for months and months and months, then, then it made sense. I was saved from that. Wow. As a matter of fact, I was saved twice yeah. from two positions that looked much better than what I was doing at the time. And both times, the people that I would have moved to work with, work under, were in long-term uh, uh, long affairs. And so when I'm talking about hearing what the Spirit is saying before, there, before you make a move, uh, you've, you've got to hear, and it can be brutal. It absolutely can be brutal, but you've got to know that you know that you know. And, and that only comes through prayer, through fasting, through killing your flesh, through talking 
to to people that you know uh, are more focused on kingdom and and what the spirit is saying um these these things are very important to transitions we've got to understand i know that this is targeted uh, more to young ministers there there could be some some uh some older ministers listening right now and i'll jump off into this i won't stay here long because it's very controversial but i don't know how in the world we've looked in the bible and we've pulled the age 65 into the kingdom of god i don't know how that's happened i guess it's because it's it's social security age or or retirement age listen in the kingdom of God, we're not talking retirement. You can't find that in the Bible. You can find repositioning in the Bible. And I don't read where it happens at 65. It could happen at 50. It could wow, happen so at 45. Good. It could happen at 57. Right. It could happen at 68. It could happen at 72. It, what is the spirit saying? I know that I'm very passionate about this. And the reason why I'm very passionate about this is we cannot in any way be looking at the king from the kingdom of God through the window to the kingdoms of this world and make decisions in the kingdom of God based on the kingdoms of this world. Wow. And so Amen. When we're talking about transitioning, they prayed and they fasted. And the Holy Ghost said, are we beyond that That's now? That's right. Are, I mean, are we beyond they prayed, they, they fasted, they were kingdom-minded, uh, they were sold out to the kingdom, and the Holy Ghost said. None of us are more concerned about the church than he is. None of us are more concerned about our lives and our families than right. he is. He will tell. And there will be transitions that you will be asked to do that will not make sense to you. They won't make sense to, to people around you. No. I had one, I had one man that I have a lot of respect for. He said, he said, Terry, uh, this last transition that you did, he said, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think that you were crazy. I thought you were turbo crazy. I've had, I've had people tell me things like, that's fine. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. But here's what I know. I had prayed and I had fasted and I felt that the Holy Ghost <laughs> said. And so we can talk about transition. There's a lot of good things to go, talking it over and praying. But I can tell you about major transition, you better pray and you better fast until you can look at anybody and say, the Holy Ghost said, and, and that has to be the main focus for us in transition. Wow, that's so good. Just gleaning from what I've heard from both of you, it would almost appear as though transition, another good word for it is probably growth because just because you're transitioning out of one thing into another it, it, because of the prayer, because of the fasting, because of the dedication, the supplication, giving ear to your elders, it would appear that transition is probably better called growth than anything. And uh, man, that is just uh, amazing advice. 
And uh, we had the last question uh, I mean, sent in from. Let, let me ahead. jump in here. Let me jump in here and say one thing, tag on for Brother Shock. Um, everything said, also, just because it looks best doesn't mean it's the right thing. I wow. think sometimes God will allow something better to come along to see if you'll do what's best for you. Because he's not really concerned too much about our betterment as he is our best. That's a play on words. Um, I have a hmm. story I could tell you about when I went to uh, California, but take too long. But I had a situation where it looked great. Another situation said, if you'll stay, uh, you, you may have to work. You may have to subsidize your income. But this feels right. And so we made the decision on what was best for us. Um, it would have been better to go and do the other thing, but it wasn't the right thing. And then, then I applied the principles that Brother Shock just so eloquently took us through there. So uh, we, we, man, this, this thing, there's a verse in the Bible says, and the increase of his government, there shall be no end. So if you are a young preacher and five years from now, you have not grown enough to look back and say, Man, look at my growth. If I am 51, almost 52, and I can't look back in the past three or four years of my life or 10 years of my life and say, this is how much I've grown, then am I part of the kingdom? If the kingdom is without end, ever growing, ever maturing, ever reaching forward, and I, that's not part of my life, that's not part of my ministry, I think that's why so many of our preachers, ministers, young, old, middle-aged, whatever, have such a hard time with transitioning because we've not bought into the concept that um, you, you can only be this. I, I pray to God that in next year, I'm not what I am this year. Son, I pray to God uh, that you are not what you are next year, what you are this year, that the increase of his government is without end. It's perpetual Amen. growth, perpetual forward motion. And if we're part of that, then we have to allow those principles that Brother Shock just, just gave us to be applied and practice. And it goes to musicians. It goes to choir leaders. It goes to assistants. It goes to any part of the kingdom or the body of Christ. The increase of his government is without end. All of us should practice this transition. Amen. Don't be what you were a year ago. There's no, where, there's no place in the kingdom to stand still. Amen. Wow, that's so great. Brother Shock, anything else you'd like to add before we you move know, on? Just, just since you asked, because I, I, I wasn't going to jump back in because of time. Uh, <laughs> Brother, Jeff, uh, Brother Jeff, you started off talking about John the Baptist. Based on the way a lot of people today look at ministry, John the Baptist would be judged a failure. Wow. Yeah. He would he would You're be correct. a failure because because he didn't he didn't wow. he, he didn't keep moving up. He got moved out. And and so right. we just we have this thing that every move either has to be at least lateral or wow. that that's crazy. That's that's not even that's not even biblical. Wow. It's not even biblical. It's crazy. And so we we have to be able 
to like what you said when you took that you took that ministry position that you had to take a job you know i don't know uh, you probably need to move yep. on i'm gonna get in trouble so take it take it away dylan hey this is what <laughs> this is for well talk. john, let's have a move of god <laughs> john talked about John talked about a decreasing ministry as no well as he way. talked about no, an no, increasing no, ministry. No, 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 you can't say that. That's not of God. <laughs> yeah. That is oh, not man. of God. No yeah. but, <laughs> right. But he did. And the truth of the matter, the Apostle Paul decreased more than he increased from Mars Hill. Hey, wow. hey. I mean, let's just face oh. it. We <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm listening. Go. I saw a picture of Sister DeMerchant, Benny DeMerchant's wife, after he after he died, her coming back to the States. I saw the picture of her few little pitiful suitcases that was everything she had to her name. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Everything she had to her name. So, so based, based on how we look at ministry success and all, the DeMerchants were a failure. Sister Freeman was a failure. These, these people were failures. Helen, move it away. I'm going. You know what, Terry? The hardest thing. <laughs> no. No, I'm going to keep you here another minute. Keep going. This is good. One of the lessons that I've had to one of the lessons that I've had to learn in the last six months, and I, I thank God, is that we or I am nothing more but the currency of his kingdom, that he has the right to spend me any place mm. for anything that he chooses. And if I can't buy into that, then I am not really in his kingdom. No, even even the apostle taught us. He said, I'm ready now to be spent. Here I am. Spend me wherever you want to spend me, whatever value you want to place on me. So, you know, Sister DeMerchant coming back with a few suitcases. My God, it may look like failure today, but in the currency of the kingdom, when when the great record keeper tallies it up, I promise you. She's a much, she'll make Bill Gates look poor spiritually. That's the truth. That is the truth. My Lord. Wow. God's got to help us. I don't want to move on. Y'all are just, <laughs> are y'all sure? I'm serious. This is good. My goodness. <laughs> we, we've got to, we've got to get this thing right. Success is mentioned in the King James Version, the word success is mentioned one time. So surely we can't miss what it's saying. And it's being into the law of God and it's doing the will of God. So wow. success is doing, <coughs> success is obedience, period. It's obedience. It has nothing to do with cars and clothes and positions and, Jesus, and attendance. It has, it has nothing to do with that, not biblically. Now, if we want to drag it out of the kingdom of God into the kingdom of this world, then absolutely we can add in all that and check the brands of your suits and ties and shoes. But if we're going to talk about 
kingdom success, then it's going to be, are we obeying God? That means that the, that the couple that said, yes, God, we will go and plant a church. They are a success right then because they obeyed. When they have two people, they are a success. When they have five, they are a success. If they don't have anybody, but they are there doing what God said. And what we're going to have to do as the church is we're going to have to start getting biblical in the way that we think and the way that we talk and the way that we treat each other concerning success. We're killing We're killing people. Yes. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And there are great servants of God that are being killed because the kingdom is not speaking the language of the king. My Lord. We got to get this right. Boy, that we got to get it right. In the Old Testament, Brother Brother Parkey (laughs) is on here and I just happened to glance at my phone. I'm trying not to read these, but Brother Parkey, Bill Parkey said, when you feel spent, something was purchased in the spirit and summed up what we're saying. Um, I, I was reading the other day, what you just said triggered this. So if we go longer, it's all your fault, Brother Shock. So um, I was reading the other day when Nehemiah came back to the kingdom, when he came back to the place where he built the wall, 52 days of glory, he acknowledged that God did it. He reestablished the kingdom of God. And I think if, if my mind's operating correctly, it was 16 years later that he came back to the very place that he acknowledged God built the wall. And he looked at the people of God and says, we have a huge problem. He said, matter of fact, this is bigger problem than it was when the walls weren't built. And the people stood back and said, well, what are you talking about? What, what, man, the walls are built. Everything's great. What's going on? He said, the problem is, our young people have forgotten how to speak the language Jesus. of the Jew. We have raised a generation that no longer even knows how to articulate what we're talking about. And I know we're going to take a hard right turn here. But when Nehemiah come back, he was so concerned with what we're talking about that he said, my God, we've got a, we've got a generation. When you start talking about kingdom things, kingdom language, when you bring in Sister DeMerchant, having just some suitcases, spending yourself, being spent, pastoring five or pastoring 50 and still being in the perfect will of God, we have to understand that language. And we don't because the language of success in the movement we all love and serve is only predicated or defined by numerical value or numbers. And that's not biblical. We've got Amen. to raise a generation or remind a generation. There's a language that we speak. The world doesn't speak it. Other denominations doesn't speak it. But the Israelites speak it. We know what we're talking about. And that was Nehemiah's greatest fear when he came back. He said, man, we've lost. We've got a whole generation of young people here now. They don't even understand what mom and dad's talking about. I wonder how many young pastor's wives would do what the demerchants did. If they knew 50 years down the road, all you're coming back to the States with is three suitcases. But there's a language that Sister Demerchant speaks that we're not hearing anymore. Or Jesus. 
we have the potential of hearing, but we're, we're just eat up with flesh. We are in our own way. And that's why going back to what I opened with, and it's eating me up. John's got to die. We got to get this flesh out of God's way. There, there are there are people, and, I, and I'm going to say this, and I promise on this topic, then Dylan, I'll, I'll get out of the way. There are young people and, and older people that are feeling looked down on in the kingdom because of their clothes or Jesus. their car or their house or their shoes or people... I mean, how in the world can can we can we tolerate making? I, I'm talking. I'm talking people that are giving their life for the kingdom, being made to feel less because of what they're wearing, or driving, or living in. God help us. How I mean. I mean, this this is not a small thing. This is not a small thing. When when people no. uh, people are under so much pressure anyway, in the in this day and time, to many people even to make it, then to come to the house of God yeah. and be made to feel less by their brothers and sisters because of of what they're wearing. God forbid. Or driving. We, wow. we, we've got to, we have got to get to where we are looking at, we've got to get the right tape measure. We've got to get an apostolic tape measure. And I'm not just talking about, well, how long is this or how long is, you know, your dress or how I sleep. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, we, we no, got sir. to measure, we got to measure what matters. And some, of the, some of the people that, that operate in the greatest dimension of faith are some of these are, are some of these people that that are literally pray among us that are praying and believing God's going to supply their next meal Jesus. and we we have got to tap yeah. in we've got to tap in too wow. and, and Dylan I, I don't know how in the world we got off on all this but there it is and and this is major these are major kingdom issues you know what? I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we did because as a young man in ministry, um, I want to know right now that it, it can't be about whether or not I ever get asked to preach the big conference. It can't be about whether or not I ever have the house with the four car garage. At the end of it all, I need to know that I can look back and say, I have been successful. If I have followed the will of God, I've got $2 in my account. I've, but, but nevertheless, I've followed the will of God for my life. If the Lord tarries and I get to be 70 in this, and I'm still driving the same car if it's running and living in the same home if it's still here, I want to know, you know what? I have served God with everything. And that's success. It's that I've stayed submitted. It's that I've, I've prayed, I've fasted, and I've done his will. And that success is not, I preach this, I own this, I own that. But I, I, I've, I've followed after God. And for every young man that's listening, and for myself, 
thank y'all for getting on that because it doesn't get taught on very much and it doesn't get talked about very much and it needs to be. So thank you for me for both of y'all getting on that because I, we, I've got to reshape my thinking and, and, and many other young men in my peer group have to reshape our thinking. It's, and, and the next question is what advice do you want to give a young preacher trying to get started? Well, I, I think we answered it. <laughs> Be kingdom minded. Absolutely. I, I'm not, I'm not against nice things. I'm not, I hope, I hope that nobody would think that I'm right. I'm not against that. I, we, we, we just got to get it right. We, yes, sir. we just, we got to get it right. And and you know that that's it. We we got to get it right. Yes, sir. Wow. We don't have a chance. We don't have a choice if we don't do it right now. Um, I'm fearful that God and I say that with with complete reverence of the word fear. But shock, I'm fearful that God's going to raise up a generation like He did in the wilderness after all He's done for us because we will not get our thinking right. I'm, again, fearful in the correct sense of the word. I'm fearful that, you know, God doesn't have to have me to reach the world. Man, he, he's, got, he's got 50 drunks on the bar stool he could pull out tonight within the next five minutes, and they could become the greatest evangelist the world has ever known. He doesn't have to have me. But I want to be that. I desire to be that. I've got too much invested in the kingdom not to stay true to the kingdom. So advice to a young man, my God, attach yourself to somebody that understands kingdom concepts and that is not worried about numbers or programs or the protocol of our great movement. Just be true apostolic. If you can do that, God will, God will chart your path. God will pay a highway for you and the success that was defined by Brother Shock a while ago will take place in God's kingdom, in God's time, in God's way. So there's a lot you could say to a young preacher, but I think the greatest thing right now, be true to yourself, be true to the cause, be true to the book of Acts. Don't be intimidated to be who you are and what you are. Amen. And I, I would just repeat what I, what I said earlier in the conversation about what my father told me. If you'll deepen, God will broaden. Amen. Uh, if you know, if you'll if you'll deepen, God will broaden. He is the ultimate steward. He will move. He will move who he needs, where he needs them. And and there there may be some obstacles, but it it absolutely will happen. We have to believe that God has this. And it's it's closer to him. Yes, we have to be wise. Starting, you know, starting out like, for instance, I, you know, uh, good advice for uh, an evangelist starting out. Well, I'm called an evangelist, but I'm no more an evangelist than I am uh, a Saint Bernard. I mean, I I am not an evangelist. They just, if you travel, <laughs> you, you know, it, it's like if you stay put, you're a pastor. If you travel, you're an evangelist. But I'm <laughs> I, I'm not an evangelist. I'm I'm a teacher. I'm an equipper. I, I understand that. You you got to know who you are. Be comfortable with your wiring. God wired yeah. you. We we got to get into God wiring and get out of rewiring. 
Mm. And we've got to be comfortable with who we are. And we've got to let God do through our life what he wants to do, whether that means that we're consistently behind a pulpit or not. You have private pulpits and you have public pulpits. And we are so focused on public pulpits that we're putting people in public pulpits that have not even had proven ministries with private pulpits. Jesus. And I, 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 don't, I, don't, know, I don't know why we give license to anybody who is not consistently building private pulpits. And so when, when we do this, when, when we move into this, then, then when somebody steps into a public pulpit, then, then they, they know that the, the seriousness of looking across that pulpit, they, they walk up the steps with, with, with a reverence and a fear of God to walk on a platform. It's, it's, not, it's not a stage. It's not a gig. We're not doing gigs. There's no gig connected to the, to the apostolic church. This is not gigs. This is not performance. And so when private pulpits are built and, and, and are established, then when there's a public pulpit, then God, God can flow through and it's not a show. And so I just say, you know, get, get, a, get a great grip on Proverbs 27 and, and 2. Let somebody else praise you and not your own mouth. We need baptized with Proverbs 27 and 2. We need to be servants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Matthew, Matthew 20, 28. If, if we would just dissect Matthew 20, 28, even as the Son of Man, came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's what it is. Wow. That's what it is. Embrace it. Love people. Don't offend people. I was, I was mopping uh, whenever I was the, I was the janitor that at that time at the church in Fort Smith. And I was mopping that foyer when some young cocky evangelist that was that was preaching for us at that time walked in with a stack of books and looked down at me like I was like I was a nothing and he asked me these words Terry how long are you gonna mop my god now to see where he is today I understand Uh where that pride takes somebody because a haughty spirit will bring you down and pride will bring you down but humility. My God. Yes, sir. And I'm not saying I'm the greatest example of humility, but I'm saying the word says. The yes, word sir. says. So I just say, wow. get your eyes on God, connect to a real man of God, a real kingdom minded man of God, and dig, dig. Don't worry about a microphone, go for shovels. And I promise you, yes, sir. God will work for you. Wow. God will put you where He wants you when He wants God will do it. you. And nobody will stop that. Wow. Amen and amen. I'm writing notes down and I'm supposed to be (laughs) moderating or whatever I'm supposed (laughs) to be doing with this thing. And I'm writing notes down. You're you're doing a good job. And I'll tell you something (laughs) else about you, Dylan. When I met you, when I really met you, 
I don't remember what year it was. Melanie was the ladies' youth president, uh, the ladies' uh, president of Louisiana, and was running this major women's conference and was working me to death. <laughs> and along came you and helped save my life for about three days. And um, and you worked, you got in there, and that, that's how I met you. And I have a, I had a lot of respect for for you from day one because you got in there and you worked and worked and worked. And so let me just take this public yes, opportunity to thank you for saving me those days <laughs> and for being willing to get dirty and work. Hey, are you kidding? <laughs> I got to work with Terry Shock. What more could a young man want? <laughs> there I you go, man. Hey, I the <laughs> army of them that week. Wow. <laughs> To, to say that this this session has been a blessing would be the understatement of this year. Um, I don't want to end it. There's just been so many good things said, but nevertheless, um, all good things I, that this saying says must come to an end. Um, Brother Shock, would you would you do us a favor? We're going to say a few remarks afterward, but I I truly feel the Holy Ghost after everything that has been said. Would you do a favor and would you just pray over us in closing? Amen. I will. Uh, Father, we're Praise so God. thankful Praise for God. Praise God. Praise and God, Jesus. it's, it's just a privilege to be able to be a part of your kingdom. It's a privilege to be uh, connected with your kingdom. And it's a privilege to be following after you and having, having other brothers and sisters that, that are on this journey. I have no idea. Who is, on this, who is on this call. I don't know who's listening right now, but I pray that you will do, even if it's something we didn't say, but you can spark by your spirit what needs to be said. This time. And we're believing. We're believing that, that kingdom-minded, spirit-led leaders are being raised up. We're believing that the revelation is going to come that, that we must be used right now where we are with what we have at this time. We don't have to wait until we get this position or that position or get older. It's right now where we are with what we have in our hand. And I pray, I pray that we will take a fresh look and that we will do what you did and we will just minister in every opportunity that we have, whether it's seen or whether it's not. And God, we know we have confidence. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us. You said in all of our ways, if we would acknowledge you, you would direct our path. So we believe it. And we're coming in agreement with that word. Help us come into kingdom alignment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Um, amen. Amen. This will be available on podcast. This will be available on YouTube to everybody that's watching, asking if it's recorded. It is recorded. Uh, you'll be able to listen to this much like me a bunch. Um, and uh, by the shock, Dad, thank you guys. Strictly from the point of view of a young preacher tonight, I want to humbly thank you guys for speaking as apostolic leaders tonight. Um, I'm walking away from this with a little repenting to do, and uh, and and I am thankful, 
thankful for the fact that men of God are willing to invest in young, young ministry and people that are just trying to be apostolic. Thank you both so much. And everybody that's watching, thank you guys. If you have any closing remarks, um, you guys have the platform. <laughs> no, just th thank you. It's an honor to be a part of this. Well, amen. I love you both. And uh, I thank you guys again for everything. And uh, until next time, <laughs> thank until you everybody time. for being a part of Generations tonight. <laughs> thank you everybody for being a part of Generations tonight. Everybody that's watched again, available on YouTube and available uh, on podcast. Um, Lord bless. And again, thank you all. Lord bless everybody. Love you guys.